Father, I pray by the Holy Spirit we would marvel at you. Lord Jesus, marvel at you. Open our eyes, as your word says, open the eyes of our heart. That we may see, Lord, that we may see you in a way that we've never seen you before, that we may worship, that in our hearts or even physically we fall on our face and realize you are God, you are almighty God, you are wonderful, you came to save us, you, you warded off, you, you, you fought off every enemy, every foe, every test, every uh, temptation in order that we, Lord, could spend an eternity with you. Starting here on earth, Lord, living an abundant life with you. Lord, show us, show us just a piece of what you went through in order to buy us liberty. Show us that. We stand here today freed, liberated from the idolatry of me, myself, and I, the unholy trinity. Um, without you, Lord, we'd be bound up, tangled up in those three people, me, myself, and me. You freed us, Lord. Show us a piece of what you did in order to bring us to this place. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So I want to start off by putting this verse on the projection screen. Psalm 141, verse 5. Let a righteous man strike me, hit me. That means, that is a kindness. Let him rebuke me, that is oil on my head. My head will not refuse it. What does this mean? How can striking someone, how can hitting someone be a kindness, and what is a righteous man doing hitting someone? Let a righteous man strike me. It is a kindness. Let him rebuke me. That is oil in my head. My head will not refuse it. Well, when there's something in your life that is out of alignment with the Bible, the Bible says something in your life is wrong, the Bible says something is sin, and a person comes in uh, to your life and they tell you, they it's like striking you, it's a kindness. Even if they do it in a way that, that seems harsh, do you know how hard it is to go to someone and tell them that there's sin in their life? It's hard, and I get to do it every week. And most of the time, I bungle it up because I don't like doing it. 
But even if it's harsh, where a brother or sister comes in and tells you something, even if they strike you, like they completely overdo it, sin will bring on misery in your life. It is a kindness when a brother or sister does that. How often has the leadership here gone to someone with a correction? And rather than receive it with a kindness, they strike back, they hit back. This says, let a righteous man strike me. This is a kindness. And, and uh, uh, last week, uh, we read about Jesus striking the religious leaders. Uh, not physically, but through a parable in which he told them that instead of receiving correction from God... When God sent his prophets to them, he's looking them right in the face. Rather than being grateful for the, uh, for the kindness of God in sending the prophets, they treated them shamefully, they beat them, uh, and they killed them. And so rather than being thankful to Jesus, verse 12 of Mark chapter 12, um, where we began this morning, said they sought to lay hands on him. That wasn't laying hands, oh, hey, I'm a holy hand, I'm going to pray for you right now. No, no, that's laying hands on him and bringing him to prison. That's their response. Forbid it that that's your response when a brother or sister comes to you and says, you know, what you're doing, the Bible says is wrong. But this is how they did, this is how they um, um, treated Jesus. So rather than being thankful, verse 12 says, they sought to lay hands on him, but they feared the multitude, for they knew he had spoken the parable against them. So they left him and went away. Verse 13. Then they sent to him some of the Pharisees and the Herodians to catch him in his word. Now the parallel account in Matthew says this. The Pharisees went and plotted how they might entangle him in his talk, and they sent to him their disciples with the Herodians. And in the parallel count in Luke, remember, remember Matthew, Mark, and Luke, oftentimes they have the same stories, including this one. Uh, they sent spies. Spies. Can you imagine sending a spy and trying to spy out God? Can you imagine this? That's what they did. And, and they pretended to be righteous. They pretended that they were good. They pretended that they were religious uh, uh, and that they might seize on his words in order to deliver them to the power and the authority of the governor. They wanted to try to get him arrested. But again, in verse 12, um, here in Mark 12, it says they wanted to just lay hands on Jesus and take him away. They couldn't do that because they feared the multitude who loved Jesus. So they came up with a strategy. They came up with a strategy to ask Jesus questions that would get him in trouble with the cops, with the police, with the Roman um, authorities. So um, they wanted Jesus to say some, something that got the cops angry, the Roman government angry that they'd come and um, take Jesus away. That's what they're trying to do here. 
So who's trying to trick Jesus here? Verse 13 says, the Pharisees and the Herodians. Who are the Pharisees and the Herodians? The Pharisees were a very strict, legalistic sect. In the New Testament, they're described as having very many rules and very little love. They wanted very little to do with anything um, or anyone who was outside their religious sect. Today, we would call them religious fundamentalists. The Herodians, who are the Herodians? The Herodians were very different than the Pharisees. They were a group that was really political. They were Jews, but their heart and soul was about politics, not about God, just like many churches throughout the United States of America today that look far more like a political party than they look like Jesus Christ. Nothing ever really changes, right? We have these same two groups today. Religious fundamentalists. They don't want to have anything to do with anyone else if they're a little religious group. And then, and then these other folks um, who, uh, they may have Christian over their head, but they might as well have the Republican Party or the Democratic Party. That's who they are. They were there 2,000 years ago. They're like, they're there today. So Jesus' life and ministry is really going to get both these parties mad and angry. He does today. Uh, and, and the love of Jesus Christ is going to really upset a strict religious fundamentalist. You just go into many churches and say, we need to love the immigrants who come into this country and, and see if you don't get lynched. And, 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 but at, at the same time, um, he also churches who are more con, um, concerned about their strict re little religious requirements, he's going to get them really mad as well. And he, we've already seen him get, uh, getting upset, loving sinners, going out and actually uh, ministering to people who have tattoos all over their face. <laughs> That's going to get people really upset today in certain religious fundamentalist sects. So the team here in chapter 12, they, they team up to try to trick Jesus, to try to get him arrested by the Roman authorities. Let's continue um, to read in verse 14. It, it says, when they had come, they said to him, teacher, we know that you are true and care about no one. For you do not regard the person of men, but teach the way of God in truth. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? And then verse 15, shall we pay or shall we not pay? But he, Jesus, knowing their hypocrisy, said to them, why do you test me? Bring me a denarius that I may see it. And at the prayer workshop a couple Friday nights ago, we put up this verse, Psalm 32. 
Blessed is he in whose heart is no deceit. So at the prayer workshop, we went into detail about this. When you go to God, Calvary Chapel, when you go to God, don't fake it. Don't act like a hypocrite. Don't pretend to be all righteous when you're not. It says in Luke 20, verse 20 again, it says, they sent spies who pretended to be righteous. God's got you all figured out, Calvary Chapel. He, he does, uh, for, for good or bad. Uh, better just to go to him and say, Lord, you know my heart, you know my life, you know there's nothing good there. And I'm not gonna try to pretend otherwise. Don't go to God surrendering, God, I love you. No, you don't. If there's sin that you're holding on to in your life. And so they're going to him and, and they're saying um, to him, they're pretending to be righteous. That's what the parallel account Luke said. Teacher, we know that you're true and you care about knowing you regard, uh, uh, you do not regard the person of men but teach the way of God. So these guys are trying to fake it till they make it. Jesus says in verse 15, why do you test me? Why are you trying to trick me? He says. And then it says in verse 16, so they brought it. They brought this Roman coin, a denarius. They brought it. And he said to them, whose image and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. Verse 17 says, And Jesus answered and said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled. So what he's saying is, Give to the king the things that are the king's. Give to the governors the things that are the governor's. Give, give to the, the mayor the things that are the mayor's. And you give to God things that are God's. So, Here's what's going on. By the way, it says they marveled at him because they tried to trick him and they couldn't. Oh, how you need the Holy Spirit. <laughs> how you need the Holy Spirit of God just to be able to survive in the world. There's so much deception. There's so much people coming to you. They have got an ax to grind. They want something from you, but you don't know what. That's why we need to be in that prayer all day. God, help me. These people are trying to trick me. What are they saying? Didn't work with Jesus. It says they marveled at him for saying, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, give to God, God's, what is God's. So what's going on here? Well, they think it's a trick question. Um, Jesus, should we pay taxes to the Roman government? So at the time, the Roman government, they ruled the known world. If Jesus says, yes, we should pay taxes, and he doesn't say anything else, he just says, yes, we should pay taxes, period, and stops there, he would find himself in trouble with certain Pharisees and others who thought it, that real spiritual people, real holy people, people who God really, really likes, well, they wouldn't do such a thing as give money to, the, to an evil government or a government that, that does evil things. They wouldn't do that. Because, you know, remember, religious fundamentalists, they, they, just, they, they try to just put a little circle around them and push everything. Everything else is evil. 
except us, of course. So it, it would have gotten him in trouble with them if he, he said nothing else but, yeah, yeah, we should pay taxes. However, if he says, no, we should not pay taxes, that news would travel really fast and uh, the Roman government would find out and they'd arrest Jesus and that's exactly um, how, what they wanted uh, to happen. And so he says, well, here's what you do. You give to the king, what is the king? You give to Caesar, what is the Caesar's? You render to him and you give to God's, what is God's? Now, very important, very, very important by answering in this way. Jesus is not saying that somehow you divide up your life where on Sunday at church your life is all about God, raising holy hands up to God and you're accountable to God and loyal to God but as soon as you leave church you're accountable and loyal to other things such as the government or your job or your boss. No, 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 no. I don't know if you've ever heard this. I remember years ago I was working uh, and uh, 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 there was a guy I worked with. He said he was a Christian and then he started uh, doing business in such a way that it was sin. I'm, I'm like, hey, that's like, you can't do that. You're, you're a Christian, right? And he said, well, listen, I don't, I don't mix business with religion. I don't mix business with religion. And, 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 and the response to that is, there's no such dichotomy, no such di division in the Bible. Everything is God. Absolutely everything is God. Your business, your family, your sports team, your living situation, at school, whatever. Everything is about God. The Bible requires 100% loyalty to God all the time. Go no further than the chapter we're in. Go down to verse um, 28 again. We were in this last week. 28 of here in Mark chapter 12. Um, it says, one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he answered them well, asked Jesus, which is the first command? of all Jesus answered him the first of all the commandments is hear O Israel the Lord our God the Lord is one and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind with all your strength that is the first commandment everything is about God you love God you cannot cheat in your work you love God you cannot not pay taxes. Um, you love God. It's all of life is about the Lord. It's about the Lord. So I don't know um, what that sounds to you again. Loving the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That's like a nonstop thing. Every waking minute, every waking hour, the Lord is bringing us to that place. So um, what does Jesus mean then? I mean, it's a fair question. Then what does he mean when he says, give to Caesar what is Caesar and give to God what is God's? Again, what do we render to God? What does a Christian render to God? The Bible says everything. So what the verse is saying is that Caesar, the government, 
was put in place by God, and therefore, when you're giving taxes to the government, above all else, you are obeying not as much really the government as God himself. Do you remember Pilate? Jesus, the Roman governor, was before Pilate. Pilate had the ability to have Jesus crucified, and he said that to Jesus, the governor, the Roman governor Pilate said, do you not realize I, I have the power to, to crucify you, to kill you? What did Jesus say? Someone shouted out, you're a little quiet today. There are fewer of you. That's right. You don't have any power. No power has been given to you today or ever that was not given to you by God. Every single power, every single government, every single authority has been put over us by the Lord. So I'm going to bring up four verses that talk about this because this is so important. Authority that has been put over our life is authority put there by God. So we were... Uh, at the, towards the beginning of the pandemic, this is, we were in the book of Romans in chapter 13. It says this, let every soul, and that means you, in case you were wondering, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. Obey the governing authorities. For there's no authority except from God, and authorities that exist are appointed by God Therefore, whoever resists authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. What it, what it means, where, where it says whoever resists authority, whoever says, nah, I know this is what the government is saying, or the authority over your life is your husband. I know this is what my husband is saying. Or the authority is over your life is your, is your boss. I know this is what my boss is saying. I'm not going to do it. What this, says, what, th what this says is whoever resists authority resists the ordinance of God and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. When you disobey authority that was put in your life, this verse says that you will bring judgment on yourself because when you're disobeying that authority, you're actually disobeying God, because God put that authority there. Render to Caesar's, to rather render to Caesar, what is Caesar? Caesar, uh, one thing we render to him is respect, obedience to his rules, taxes and many, many other things that uh, rules that the government puts in place. First Peter uh, chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. In other words, you are serving God when you obey the law. <laughs> Whether to king as supreme or to governors, as to those who are sent by him, meaning God, for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. Christians, Calvary Chapel, Christians. Christians. 
are law followers, not law breakers. You, Calvary Chapel, Chapel, because you are a citizen of heaven by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you should be amongst the most law-abiding citizens in the world. Using your cell phone or texting while driving, never, not a Christian. Filling out a loan or financial application or any application and lying about something on the application, never. Driving with a seatbelt, always. (laughs) Obeying the speed limit, yes. Paying all the taxes you owe, even when the IRS would never find, they're never gonna find out if you claim that, never. Doesn't matter, God knows. Telling your employer uh, you work more hours or even minutes than you did, never. When you're going out of the United States or coming back in, you're filling out that customs form. Any food in your luggage? They'll never find out. No, not a Christian. You don't do that. You don't so much as put, throw a bubblegum wrapper on the street. Christians are model citizens because you have been, um, you, you are, the, the authority over has been appointed by God. And you know, if, you, if I throw this bubblegum wrapper, I don't really like take out any more room in my pocket. But that law was put over you, that anti-littering law was put over, over you by God. It's not as much the government as God. You're messing with God's streets by throwing that bubblegum wrapper or whatever. It's the, the most model citizens in the world. Titus chapter three, verses one and two says this, remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey to speak evil of no one. So popular today to speak evil of politicians. It's not supposed to be on the lips of any believer. No, it's, it's, it's so much, uh, it, particularly in churches today, it's like all the rage, the vogue, to take pot shots at the president of the United States, at the mayor, uh, whoever. Not so if you've been brought, bought by the blood of the lamb, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. And this is important. For we ourselves were once also foolish, disobedient, deceived. See, that's, what God, that's how God looks at you when you're disobeying laws, rules, secretly, maligning the government, speaking evil at the government. He sees you as... Foolish, disobedient, deceived, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. We've been saved from that. We've been saved to love. Final one. First Timothy chapter, um, chapter two. Therefore I exert first of all that supplications prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all those who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. Oh, I can't stand this law. Let's get together a a protest and shout and scream in front of the state house. I don't see that in this verse. 
that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Listen, look at the connection here. Why do you obey the law? Why are you respectful toward the government? Why? Because God our Savior desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. You're obedient your obedience to the law, to the government, to rules, is directly tied to people's eternity. It is directly t- tied to whether or not people are saved. Saved from what? Hell. This is a serious, serious matter, Calvary Chapel. Your conduct towards authorities has an effect on whether people come to know Jesus Christ and enter into an everlasting relationship with Him. So when you're tempted to violate the law of Calvary Chapel, I hope, I pray, that you consider, in addition to the fact that by disobeying man's law, you will be disobeying God's law, I pray that you consider that if you go ahead and violate that law, that rule, that thing no one's ever going to find out, maybe, That actually, if you are found out, it has the potential to affect someone's eternity. Render to Caesar what is Caesar's. So we just looked at four New Testament verses that couldn't be any clearer. Follow the law. Now why does God... Why does God have to do this? Someone shout it out. Why does God have to do this four times? Why does God have to tell us four times in the most direct way, obey the authority that is over you? Someone shout it out. We're rebellious by nature. We hate authority over us. We hate it. I mean, last, last Thursday, I, I'm taking a prayer walk. I'm, I'm in, in the middle of a wood. There's 3,000 anchors. There's probably six people in the woods. It's in the early, tw- low 20s. Who in the world is walking around in the low 20s? And I'm walking around, and, and, and I am just taking it in. I mean, it's just so wonderful. Just the, the woods and the ravines out there west of the city in Dover, um, and, and just these little ponds and, 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 and just the snow in all the right places, you know. And, and all of a sudden, I come to this sign that says, private property. And it, 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 it has a it has an arrow that's forcing me to the right. And so I go to the right and I start walking along this private property. I start walking along and seeing it to, uh, to, to, to my side. And I'm looking and I'm going, oh man, I, I really w- want to go. I mean, look at just, 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 and then all of a sudden I see deer. There's a bunch of deer. I, I mean, look, I can't even go. And I, I so bad wanted to cross the line. I, and then I started thinking, why don't these selfish people give this land to Hale Reservation, which is where I was to, to, walking? Why, why are they so selfish? They're keeping We don't like authority. You show us a line, we want to cross it. You put, you put a, a sign that says uh, on the grass says, don't walk on this grass. We just, we want to go. 
<laughs> this is just, that's just how we are. It's in our DNA, Genesis chapter 2. What does Genesis chapter 2 says? Genesis chapter 2, um, um, again, it says that uh, uh, God says, he, he says he put man, verse 15, and put him in the garden of Eden. He commanded the man saying, every tree of the garden you may freely eat. Every tree. Every means every. That's hundreds of trees. Thousands of different trees. And, and, and you can, every single one, but. Of the tree of the knowledge of the good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And beginning at chapter 3, who shows up? The devil. And he says, has God really said you can't eat it, that tree? Says so the woman says, well, actually, yeah, he did. He said, if, you, if we eat it, we'll die. And the devil said, the serpent, he said, you, you will not die, for God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. You don't have to have this authority over you anymore. And it says that the woman, seeing that it was good, the, uh, the tree was good for, to, to make her wise, to make her like God, to, uh, it, she, she, she ate it. And ever since, we have detested any kind of authority over us. We don't like it. Again, whether it's a teacher in a class, a husband in a family, a father or mother over children, a boss, a mayor, a governor, a president. We don't like it. That's why God tells us four times just so you know, when you do that, you're doing the same thing that Eve did. When, when you're disobeying the law, you're disobeying authority, you're doing the same thing that Eve did in the garden. That's what you're doing. And, 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 and you're risking my judgment on you. My judgment on you. Now, are there ever times when a Christian is allowed to disobey the law? Yes, there are times when not only are you allowed to disobey the law, you must disobey the law. When would that be? When would that be? I really like it. When I, when I go work for the FBI and legalize lying? Well, the best example in the Bible, Acts chapter 5, Peter and John have been arrested. They are told by the governor authorities to stop talking about Jesus Christ. Peter and John refused to do that. And they were asked by the governing authorities why they refu refuse. Um, what did they say? Anyone? That's right. We ought to obey God rather than men. We ought to obey God rather than men. Peter and James in Matthew 28, the two that were there, rather Peter and John, the two that said that, the ones that say, hey, look, we have to obey God, not men. I'm sorry. Because the, the, the authorities were telling them, you can't talk about Jesus anymore. But we're, we we got to obey God. I'm sorry. 
they were there in Matthew 28. They were commanded by Jesus Christ to go out into all the world and to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in Acts chapter 5, the government authorities were telling them they couldn't do that. Can't happen. You have to obey God rather than men. However, listen, please, Calvary Chapel, remember you got a real active flesh and you're related to Eve. Just please remember that before you just, just like go off and start disobeying the law because you need to be real careful. If, if, if the Lord, if you're thinking, you're thinking, no, no, I don't know, I don't know if I like this law. And you know, I don't know if God would have me. Like, you know, you, you be real careful. Remember those four verses? Remember Romans chapter 13? God's judgment? Just remember that. You need to be real careful. You need to be really, really, really praying about it. God has said to you that it is important to obey the laws of the governing authorities because if you don't obey those laws, you'll be disobeying God and someone may go to hell because of it. It just says it. I'm not making this stuff up. You really, really, really pray. So here's the deal. If you're going to be disobeying a law, you better have a Bible verse. If you're going to come to me, Pastor Steve, I think I should be, uh, 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 disobey this law, show me the, the chapter and the verse, and it better be very specific. Now I just want to give you an example. Face mask mandates. No, Steve, don't talk about that again. No, I think we're done with these things. All right, but it's a perfect example, in my opinion. So I'm going to share a couple of things now. I just hope you, if you disagree with me, I hope you sh- at least you'll hear my heart. Face mask orders. Right now in the city of Boston, we're in a church. We're exempt. We do not have to wear a face mask in a church. However, last summer, that was not the, rather last spring, that was not, was not the case. And um, I was incredibly discouraged. I mean, I was discouraged as I've been in my whole Christian life with Christian pastors saying, well, the, govern- the government's getting involved in the church. We don't have to wear face masks. Oh, really? How about the fire code? You also blow that off? The building code. You blow that off? The plumbing? You just do the electric wiring? However you want to do it? Is that what you're saying? Show me the chapter and the verse. It's like an angry mob looking like complete idiots to the world. They're going to have to give an account before the Lord. There is no chapter and verse that you can give me that's specific that warrants that. Of course, I'm just, I'm just sharing you my heart. You may disagree. So what might be an example that you do disobey? How about you're not allowed to sing even with face masks? Okay, my obedience to the law stops there. 
because I'm commanded in the Word of God time and time and time again to sing to the Lord. And you're trying to tell me not to sing, but even when I have a face mask on, I can't do that. I got to obey God rather than men. Psalm 96, verse one, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. In Colossians 3 and Ephesians 4, you are commanded, Calvary Chapel, to sing with grace in your heart to the Lord. One that got real personal to me real recently was um, when I heard that the mayor, current mayor, she was running for mayor, and, and again, please hear my heart. You may disagree with me here, but I just want you to hear my heart. This is, this is really important, eternal matters that we're talking about. But she was talking about vaccination cards. And so I, ha- I-, I had to do a lot of business with the Lord. What am I going to do if she requires the church for people to come, come in and, and, and um, show a vaccination card in order to enter the, uh, enter the church? I have a specific verse in the Bible in my opinion, that I would be disobeying if I allowed that at this church. One of the most oft-quoted verses in the Bible, Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. Come to me all, not some. Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden with burdens. And I will give you rest. In Calvary Chapel, not a week goes by that someone in our leadership team is not talking with someone about suicide. Not one week. <laughs> you think I'm going to stand at the door and tell someone they can't come in? They may be thinking about suicide. I can't do that. Paul says I'm innocent of the blood of all men. So I had to just resolve in my heart. We're going to have to find a location immediately, a noon location, because I can't do that. We're going to have to do something, or we're going to have to just write to the mayor and tell her we can't do that. Now, fortunately, churches were excluded from the vaccination card requirement. But do you see where I'm going? This, we're actually starting to have to deal with this stuff. We want to be honorable citizens, I can't, get be- I can't get before the mayor and say, if she, if she changes the, the, the face mask order and we have to wear face masks next week, I can't, I, 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 I can't in good conscience get before her and tell her I'm not going to do that. I look like a fool, in my opinion, just my opinion. But if she starts t- telling me I have to prevent certain people from coming in here, I've got I to disobey the law. Because I obey, we ought, we ought to obey God, not men. Render to Caesar what is Caesar's. Render to God what is God's. What is God's? Absolutely everything. <laughs> Absolutely everything. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up at this point. And if you've been asked to pray, uh, come up. I know a lot of people are on live stream today.
you're listening in on live stream, maybe something is just stirred in your heart. One of the things that I pray in my heart, Lord, please do this, is that this church, Calvary Chapel, would have a deep, deep sense and conviction that your life out there, whether you obey the law or not, rules or not, people's eternity depends upon it. Their eternity depends upon it. What you do, again, what is fruit in our life? Everyone can stand now. We're going to close the worship time. And if you've been asked to pray, uh, please come up at this time. What happened just prior in Matthew chapter 11? There was a, a, a tree with only leaves on it. Jesus looked, from fruit, looked for fruit from it. He didn't find it. And he struck, he cursed the tree because it had no fruit on it. And what did we say fruit was? Fruit is the life of God in you being reproduced in the life of someone else. That's what fruit is. Do you want it, Calvary Chapel? Do, do, do you want fruit enough to seriously, seriously inconvenience yourself by obeying this law or that or whatever because someone's eternity may be at stake? Or just separate apart from, from the government's laws, the law of God. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. You can't love him if you're in sin. You can't love him if the witness of your life that the world sees is, a, is, is, is that person's a lawbreaker. The life of God in you is not, going to be, is not going to be reproduced in the life of another. We're in a holy calling. We're in a wonderful calling. We're in a privileged calling, Calvary Chapel. It really does take dying to ourselves. Second Corinthians chapter 4, Paul says this, We who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, that his life will be revealed in our mortal bodies. Dying to ourselves so that the life of God will be revealed in us and reproduced in the life of others. If you'd like to pray, if you'd just like to pray for anything, if you've never asked Jesus Christ into your life, the Bible says that it is as simple as a prayer. It's not easy because you have to count the cost, but it's as simple as a prayer. And the prayer is this. Jesus Christ, I believe who you say you are. You lived a perfect life because you wanted to credit to me your perfection. You, I, I deserve um, death because of my sin, but you died for me and then you rose from the dead. Please come into my life and be king. Where you're everything. You're everything. 
The government's not everything. You're everything. You're over the government. You're over every institution. You're over everything. Come into my life and be my Lord. If you've never done that, come up. But however the Lord may be stirring you to pray, come up. And, let's, and then we can also worship too. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray that you would complete this time that you have started, complete the work that you've done in our lives. Stir us to worship you now, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.